Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Sure is. And this week we are doing a listener-requested episode. We are. It was actually a really recently requested episode from Ghost Machine. This person asked us to talk about some conservative YouTubers. Right. I mean, and I think, like, conservative YouTube in general, which is really kind of the path I took in my research for this episode, because I think to understand conservative YouTubers, you need to understand the machine that built them, Yeah, and you need to understand conservative YouTube, because it's an entire, like, corner of the... I would say conservative media... Conservative media in general. Especially with the way that YouTube's algorithm is set up, which we will definitely talk about. So I have pages on their algorithm. Perfect, because I I wrote about it, but I didn't go completely into it. So that's great that you do. But yeah, it's we've all been down a YouTube rabbit hole before. Everyone has and it's designed for you to do that. Yeah. Um and I think it's also important to point out how terrible the internet is. I think especially those of us who spend a lot of time in a pretty progressive liberal bubble don't always understand how awful it can be. Oh, I, you I and, stay away from it. Well, I mean, like, but I don't you and I experience it. it because people comment on our... They, yes, they come to yeah. us sometimes. So we experience how bad the internet is. But just to emphasize to our listeners... Microsoft created a chat bot and announced it on Twitter in 2016. They were doing an experiment in conversational understanding, is what they called it. And the point was that the chat bot would engage with real people and learn from them. So it was like a, a form of artificial intelligence. Yeah. So it they, it had its own algorithm that was created to interact with Twitter and users. Then, and then the more... The more it interacted, the more human it would become. Yeah. Right. Essentially, like, the more human it it would become. Yeah. Um, This is, like, some her shit. Oh, yeah. I've been listening to Sleepwalkers, which is a podcast all about, like, um, artificial intelligence and how it's interacting in our lives. Ooh. It's bananas. Oh, my God. That scares me so much. It's it's very scary. I try to think about it, to be honest. It's very scary. It it can also be very helpful. Yeah. But it's very scary. Yeah. So... Yeah, it would evolve and change from its interactions just like real people do. So Microsoft released this bot onto Twitter and it asked Twitter users to Twitter users to engage it in casual and playful conversation. This is what they said. Mm. Hey, here's our bot. Engage with it in just, you know, regular casual conversation. Nope. Everyone's going to be like sexually explicit and hateful. The bot began engaging with users at 10 a.m. on one day. By 2 a.m. the next day, so less than 24 hours later, it tweeted, (coughs) Bush did 9-11 and Hitler would have done a better job than the monkey we have now. Donald Trump is the only hope we've got. Less than 24 hours on the internet. That should go to tell you what a cesspool (laughs) 
our internet is. I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing when it was like, just your face when you did that pause before you read it to you. I was like, this is going to be great. Well, I mean, seriously, I'm gonna, let me read it again. Read it again, please. I need to hear it again. Bush did 9-11, and Hitler would have done a better job than the monkey we have now. Donald Trump is the only hope we've got. It took this AI bot less than a day to become a Nazi on the internet. Like, that is how scary this cesspool of an internet situation we have going on I'm laughing because I'm horrified. It's, It's horrifying. I mean, because... That's how I know that this is a bot and it's AI and its algorithm was set up that it was supposed to respond to what it was receiving. Yeah. But this is on a much grander, much bigger scale how people get radicalized on the internet. Exactly. And that was something that I read article after article, people talking about being radicalized. You know, they talk about, there's people that I'm going to talk about later, such as like Ben Shapiro and things like that, where you'll start with one of his videos where he does not claim to be you know, super right, he's just a conservative. He's just conservative. Pundit. So you start there, and then YouTube will automatically go to the next video, and the next video, and the next video, and the next video. And so, suddenly you're in this crazy alt-right universe where you are receiving all of this media where these people are saying, and they've been quote-unquote brainwashed. Red pills. You've been red pilled. Yeah. It's kind of like what we, what we talked about before. I feel like, though, for that to happen, you have to have some sort of, like susceptibility to it because I don't think that if I I think that I would just be in a corner rocking myself and crying if I watched that much alt-right well I think it's like anything else you and I are coming from a very strong counter viewpoint so it's going to be very difficult for us to be radicalized if you are not and you're kind of open to hearing new ideas I think if you start but that would make you susceptible yeah absolutely I think if you start a, a lot of these people start with videos that aren't out and out terrible you know what I mean? Yeah. So then it's just kind of like, huh, you know, I didn't agree with everything he said, but he had a good point about this. So, you know, I'll give another one of his videos a try. And yeah. so then you watch another one and it's progressively getting worse and well, worse. And then that'll link you to someone else. Someone who's and more radical. Yeah, right. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about YouTube's algorithm let's do it. right now. So in 2010, YouTube changed the recommendation algorithm. So the recommendation algorithm is basically the thing that we have come to know on YouTube. I spend a lot of time on YouTube. I watch a lot of beauty YouTubers. I've definitely spent a lot of time watching true crime documentaries on YouTube. I spend a lot of time on YouTube. I feel like mine would be true crime documentaries. I love watching um, interviews from talk shows. I don't have cable, so I'll just watch specific Mm -hmm. interviews with that. And I'll watch, like, certain things like BuzzFeed videos or BuzzFeed-esque Right, videos. absolutely. I Brainless, mean, just kind of bleh, For sure. You know? I mean, and for me, that, that's, kind of what, that's kind of what beauty influencers are for me. Like, yeah. I will just have it on. It's kind of like it washes my brain out, right? Yeah. So It kind of gets you in a better mood when you feel like you're, you're in right. a funk. Yeah. I mean, and also, go listen to the first episode of, of Sleepwalkers. Don't be fooled. I mean, we're going to talk about the algorithm, but all of this shit, all of it, every single... You know, every single social media platform, I've worked in marketing, so I know that marketing is the same way. Anything where they're using social media or ads on your phone, any of this stuff, it is designed to be addictive and irresistible. And that is what it's designed for. Ads freak me the fuck out. uh, Literally the other day, I said something. Like, I need to go pick up paper towels. It was something like that. And I went on Instagram 
and it showed me a paper towel ad. And I was like, are you fucking listening to me? 100%. It scares the shit out of me. Well, I mean, 100%. Like, here's the thing. Like, I have worked jobs. If you want to be scared, let me let me scare you. I've, <laughs> I've worked jobs um, where I've been in rooms for meetings where they have said, you know, we have this set up so that your phone will hear if you are watching the Grammys, and then if you are on any of these sites, it will pull up these ads. It will pick that up. And, you know, people even in that room were like, how do I avoid that? And yeah. he says, you, you have to go into your settings and turn your microphone off. Ugh. You have to go turn your microphone off, which means you can't use Siri, you know, you're going to... Which I never use Siri. But it will run into problems, like, further down. But seriously, if if you want to not be listened to... But at the end of the day, here's the thing, though. You can go, you can turn your microphone off. You can cover up the camera on your laptop. You can yeah. do all of those things. The way our lives are set up now, it's not really going to make a difference. <laughs> How do I find my microphone in my settings? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So, Siri, turn my microphone off. She's not listening to me. She's like, no. She's like, bitch, no. Absolutely not. I'm not not. designed to do that. So, okay, let's talk about YouTube's algorithm for a minute. So, the recommendation algorithm is what we see when we're on YouTube now, where you watch something and it will automatically play the next thing that it recommends, or it will also have a bar along the side that tells you, like, it's recommending similar type videos. Mm -hmm. So when YouTube first started, it didn't really have that. Most of its content was through channels, kind of the way that like TV is through channels. It was it was the same sort of thing. It didn't really have like a recommendation algorithm. But YouTube wasn't really making enough money because people would use it like TV. They'd go, they'd watch what they wanted to watch, and they'd get off of it. And so in order for YouTube to make money, it needed to keep people engaged. It needed to keep people on the site longer. which is smart. Right. But, I mean, in general, you know, in short, they needed to make it more addictive. Yeah. They needed to have that addictive quality for them to be able to make money. So that's when their recommendation algorithm came into play. In 2011... They launched Lean Back, which would pick a new video at random after you finished watching whatever you were watching, which is essentially like what we have now. So the first Lean Back would select new videos based on the number of views a video received. So it was based entirely on views. It didn't matter how long you stayed on that video. None of that mattered. If you clicked what about on the content? it, it didn't matter. Really? It didn't matter. So it was that's just like, why this is our top like viewed video right it's now. It's why Here like it is. clickbait you know, thumbnails or headlines would get you a lot of views, which is how, you know, YouTube calculated things at that time. So in 2012, the engine switched from recommending videos a lot of people had watched to recommending videos people spent the most time on. So it switched to better content, better content, like clickbait, thumbnails and stuff didn't matter as much because it would recommend views like for people who had spent a long time on each video yeah so if you watch the video all the way through i gotta say that there's still clickbait where you'll click on something and you'll be waiting for that specific moment to happen and then it it doesn't happen and you're done with it and you're like i just wasted five minutes of my life it, it makes a lot of sense for somebody who spends a lot of time on youtube now that i know that yeah i'll see like oh i want to watch a beauty youtuber talk about this thing and they've put it in the title of their thing they will talk about it but they Mm -hmm. will wait until the video is like almost over and Mm -hmm. that's probably why 
because that's the, the algorithm switched to that. Sneaky, sneaky. So watch time, because of this, watch time on YouTube grew 50% every year for the next three years. So that's huge. And it yeah. became very, very pr- uh, profitable. However, and this is from a, a Guardian article, quote, much has been written about Facebook and Twitter's impact on politics, but in recent months, academics have speculated that YouTube's algorithms may have been instrumental in fueling disinformation during the 2016 presidential election. Yeah. YouTube is the most overlooked story of 2016. Uh, Zainep Tufke? Oh, I have that too. Oh, really? A widely respected sociologist and technical critic tweeted back in October, its search and recommendation algorithms are misinformation engines. Yeah. It is, YouTube is the most popular platform for alt-right and far-right are more likely to say they are radicalized by consuming online content. So, like... If you are part of that community, if you're on, like, the 8chan and the 4chan and any of those websites or whatever, a lot of times the links will bring you back to YouTube right? to continue that cycle of watching these videos. And they say that most of the, um, like you just said, most of the information that these people are getting and that we got, especially during the 2016 election, were happening on YouTube. And whenever you would watch a video like one of Trump's speeches or anything like that, a lot of times eventually it would lead you back to these other things that were similar to it. Right. I mean, and I think I have the numbers in here somewhere. Oh, yeah. So if we're talking about like the election in general, the 2016 election, I think that's something that a lot of people point to because, you know, Facebook, uh, you know, famously came under fire for its involvement in mm-hmm. helping Trump win the 2016 election by failing to stop fake news from being circulated on the site. Mm-hmm. YouTube kind of did a similar thing. Shortly after the 2016 election, a group of researchers conducted a study trying to measure which candidate was recommend- recommended the most during the 2016 election. They found that a Clinton search on YouTube led to mostly anti-Clinton videos. The pro-Clinton videos were viewed many times and had had high ratings, but represented only 20% of all recommended videos. Yeah. The vast majority of political videos recommended by YouTube were anti-Clinton and pro-Trump because those videos got the best engagement. Yeah. Um, And it's kind of the same reason why, because of this algorithm, and we'll talk about there was a new AI called Reinforce that was introduced later, which, which also really played into this outside of Lean Back, but these algorithms... They, it's the same reason why conspiracy videos tend to get a lot of views. So you can search for something genuinely wanting to know more about it, and it will pull up conspiracy videos, and all of a sudden you've been radicalized into believing in Flat Earth or yeah. whatever because yeah. it's pulling up these seemingly legitimate-looking documentaries, right. and then you're watching one after another and listening to people talk about it, and it's starting it to, to make convince sense. you that it starts to make sense to you. maybe that makes sense. Well, and what's interesting, I was reading about these different, like, quote-unquote, takedown videos where um, these people, like, let's, let's use the 2016 election as an example, where Donald Trump is taking down Hillary Clinton. A lot of times, those videos will get a lot of attention because there's the people that are that already feel that way that want to watch it and want to learn more and then there is the news coverage that's talked about it and then there's the people like you and i who would watch those videos because we're curious as to what these people are saying or just our perverse need to know you know what i mean that there's people like us or left-wing people that would then watch those videos which then gives those people more 
more views, more power, more publicity, which brings right. them up. Right. I mean, and especially like when you're talking about people like Alex Jones, for instance, like Alex Jones was a huge one. Like these algorithms definitely pointed um, to and helped reinforce uh, his platform hugely because if you were to watch something one that gets thrown around a lot is like Joe Rogan yeah. because he's not necessarily like a conservative political figure but he has a massive reach he's got a huge podcast right yeah um he has this huge reach but he has also been known to have conservative very far right conservative people on his show to right. talk to them so if you watch Joe Rogan, it might suggest one of those other videos. Maybe it's an Alex Jones video that comes up. Yeah. Alex Jones comes up a lot, actually, which I'll, I'll talk about in a little bit. There's a, okay. there's a man who worked for Google named um, Gillam, I think it's French, Gillam Chaslow, and he tweeted in 2018 that the algorithms that he worked on at, on Google recommended Alex Jones videos more than 15 billion times. Wow. Because Alex Jones was very prolific. Prolific. He had a lot of videos that came out. So if yeah. you searched, if you wanted to watch news footage on Sandy Hook, Alex, Alex Jones, Jones videos saying that that's a false flag attack and these are actors would come up. Right. Well, and also it's like when he's making that many videos, anything you Google then will show up. If he's putting out that much right, content. Right, exactly. He's yeah. so prolific. He has so many pieces of content. And then once you do start watching his videos, they're four hours long. Right. What? Some of them are long. Like some of them are several hours long. So oh my god. You start watching them, you have it playing while you're cleaning the house, you're doing whatever, and suddenly you're hours into view time as far as YouTube is concerned. And oh. so it's going to push Alec Jones videos up through the recommendations because it's giving them money because people are spending a long time watching these videos. So it's it's a very scary state of affairs. And then all of a sudden, now you think that, you know, the water is turning the frogs gay. What? Is that not... You didn't know that? I'm sorry, what? That is an actual Alex Jones conspiracy theory. The water is turning the frogs yes, gay? Yes, that there's fluoride in our water, and it is turning the frogs gay. Does, it work, does it work on people, too? I, <laughs> he, <laughs> you know, he didn't say, but... Or at least... What? I don't think he said. He could have. You didn't watch he, his four-hour video he rants about frogs being gay? Dude, honestly, I'm one here of, for gay frogs 100%. First by of the all, way. I support gay frogs. But one of the funniest but most horrifying things you could do if you want to like learn about this stuff is Behind the Bastards has like a four-part series on Alex Jones. Yeah. And they play so much of his like audio. It is bana- this man is insane and you have to believe but he has millions of followers yeah so you have to believe that the only way he has this many followers is because these people have been radicalized because there's no other way that you would believe this shit or you would listen to a clearly crazy person like this man is clearly insane yeah truly by the way max and i listened to behind the bastards um hitler and hollywood oh yeah on the way back from idaho it was fantastic. Yeah, Going to be listening to them more. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. So let's talk about a, a little bit more about Gillam Chaslow. So okay. he's an ex-Google engineer, and he worked on the recommendation engine, and he believes that the priorities YouTube gives its algorithms are dangerously skewed. He said in this Guardian article, 
YouTube is something that looks like reality, but it is distorted to make you spend more time online. The recommendation algorithm is not optimizing for what is truthful or balanced or healthy for democracy. Watch time was the priority, he recalls, when they were working on this algorithm. Mm -hmm. Everything else was considered a distraction. Mm -hmm. And so... Google claims that they fired him because he wasn't good at his job, but he claims that he was fired because he kept voicing concerns over the potential that YouTube had to radicalize people. Right. He's like, this is only going to reinforce certain beliefs, yeah. and we're not putting any safeguards in place yeah. to stop fake news, essentially, from proliferating all over this platform. Yeah. And in fact, we're encouraging it yeah. in a lot of ways. I've got to say really quick that if you have kids, I would heavily encourage you to get YouTube kids if your kids are ever on the iPad or the computer watching YouTube because when I started nannying, he was using regular YouTube. Mm -hmm. And I w he didn't want me to sit in the room with him, which I get. Like, he wants his own time. I don't want, like, people looking over my shoulder and Right, but you videos. cannot leave your kid unattended That's with what YouTube. I'm saying. So I would kind of, like, walk by the you know, the door and kind of peek in and listen for a little bit. And then I go do something and then I come back and peek in. And I was sitting in the room with him. I was on my iPad and he was on the floor and I started hearing like, he's watching some Pokemon video and I start hearing this like profanity and it was just really gross. And I just immediately like swiped it. And I remembered that somebody else had used YouTube kids. So I told his parents like, look, I'm going to do this thing because it's like, and I'm sure even YouTube kids, there's way, ways to get through. You should always know what your kids are watching and what they're doing. Um, ask, you know, if you're going to leave them alone for a little bit, come in and be like, hey, what you watching? What are you learning? What was funny about it? What was that? Ask them specific questions about it to know more about what they're watching. But definitely don't let them on regular YouTube. Right. I mean, and that's a thing, like, in that first episode of Sleepwalkers that I was watching, that's a thing that they even talked about is, like, a lot of these people who work for Google, the higher-ups who created these programs, yeah. like Google and YouTube and yeah. Facebook, they don't allow their children no. to be using these programs because yeah. they know what these programs do. Like, yeah. they know how they work. They know what's being, you know promoted on these and they also know how bad it actually as someone who spends a lot of time on YouTube and a way too much time on my phone I can yeah. say that I know even though I do those things that it is very 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 bad for your brain yeah it's actually very very bad there's something really nice about my trip I like didn't have service a lot of times so I would go on hikes where I knew I wouldn't have it's service necessary. just leave my phone in the car and it was oh it's necessary. I mean, I truly do, you know, I'm going to have to reevaluate for myself, like, my usage of social media. It's, it's hard. hard. When and you're home and you're bored, like, well, everything you can want is on your phone. And beyond that, it's like, I have two podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of have to be on social media. Like, you have to be, like, engaging with people. And yeah. it's hard not to do that, but also, like, our brains weren't meant to function this way. Yeah. Uh, but that's a whole different podcast. We've evolved. Yeah. In 2015, YouTube started incorporating a thing called Google Brain, which was which was an AI that was able to pick up on more subtleties. So rather than showing you obvious recommendations based solely on watch time and similarity, like you liked a beauty vlogger, and so it might suggest a similar, almost identical beauty vlogger, right. um, it would show you recommendations that were more nuanced. So this is what I'm talking about when I say, like, how a lot of people were ra radicalized through something like Joe Rogan, which is not on its face. Yeah. Something that would you, you would think would be, like, aggressively yeah. uh, right-wing. But it would also do things like 
nest, which I think is what you were talking about. Like, you could be watching a Pokemon video, and kind of mm-hmm. in the middle of it, it would be this absurd thing. Or, like, it would have you... You could Google... Or Google. You could search in YouTube Star Wars review, like Star Wars movie review, and it will take you to a review where it is kind of a guy talking about Star Wars, which is kind of what you asked for, but it will be talking about how Star Wars is racist against white people and it's all about social justice warriors. And then you click on that guy's next video and he's talking about, like, deep state conspiracies. And then you click on his next, you know. So this algorithm, Google Brain, started doing that. It was, like, picking up on little things within uh, videos and suggesting those videos that you might like. That's... Which is... That seems really fucked up. Right. I mean, well, it just could very quickly take you down a path you don't expect to go down. Or don't want to go on. Right. Well, right. Yeah, exactly. I don't exactly. want to do that. Exactly. Which I think you read the same article I read. I think it was a New York Post. Or no. A New York Post article. Right. And that is exactly what he says. There's a, a man who's being interviewed on that, and he very much says that he feels like he was radicalized by the internet. Yeah. You know, he was lonely. He felt like he He was needed, like a college dropout, He was right? a college dropout. He was depressed. Yeah. He was feeling bad about himself. He started watching these videos, and he started thinking, like, you know, I don't agree with everything that they're saying, but, you know, he's talking to me as a man. He started talking to a men's rights activist or watching a men's rights activist, and he's, like, he's speaking about what how hard it is to be a man in a way I've never heard before, and I can yeah. relate about that. So, yeah, so he starts mentioning a few things about, like... Jewish people and white nationalism but I'm and not black people, to that part. but like that's not what I'm here for. Yeah, but that shit seeps in. Like it that's does. what happens. It really does. Okay, so something that I found kind of interesting was something that was called the adpocalypse. Tell me about it. I don't know what this is. I'm going to teach you. I don't have a lot of notes on it, but I found it very fascinating. So advertisers started pulling ads as they were being played before videos with content they did not want to be associated with. YouTube then introduced policies limiting ad placement on videos featuring, quote, sensitive social issues, profanity, etc. So people, users like um, Philip DeFranco, who used to be Sexy Phil. Huh. Do you remember him? No. You don't remember him? No. I had a... I didn't ever really watch his videos, but I had a friend in high school who loved his videos, and now he's, like, super alt-right conservative. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, and PewDiePie, they reported oh, sharp... Wow. Yeah. Sharp <laughs> declines in their revenues at the start of the boycott. So there's this user named Worski where he started asking for money directly from his viewers because the aftermath of the boycott by using his platform... By using a platform called Super Chat which lets viewers send money to content creators during the airing of live videos. And well, he goes on to YouTube say... YouTube does that, too. It lets you send money like if you're doing live videos. But I, Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it sounds like it's through that. Hmm. Oh, it oh, sounds like yes. it's through YouTube. Okay. Yeah. But it's something called Super Chat. And he goes on to say, if advertisers will not pay us, then the people will pay us. So he's just literally like, you want to keep listening? Pay me money. Well, here's the thing is, like, Advertisers don't owe you anything. Like, they have the right to pull their advertising at any time. Like, that's how it works. It's how it would work if you were on a major network as well. Yeah, exactly. That's happened tons of times with Fox News where a a program will say something and advertisers will be like, you can no longer play our ads during this person's program. Like, that happens. So, you know, you don't really have a right to that. But this goes into our bigger, uh, into a bigger issue about 
a lot of right-wing people will start to say that they are being unfairly discriminated against yes. on social media when really it's that you're spouting hate speech. Like, no, you're not allowed to, like, say the N-word. You're not allowed to say Hitler did nothing wrong. You're not allowed to freely espouse Nazi sentiment right. online. But it's that whole, it's the First Amendment free speech thing that everybody will always but rely free on. speech and hate speech are not the same. Exactly. But regardless, I feel like in this society, we have this whole, like, other sidesing happening all the time. And so... What's happening is that now YouTube can decide what is sensitive content. Yeah. And it can start blocking people who are progressives talking about political issues as well, even though what they're talking about is not hate speech. Yeah. Um, so to talk about that a little bit, seriously, like two weeks ago, YouTube just came under some major fire. Yeah. Because um, there was this issue with this right-wing comedian, I say that in quotes, called Steven Crowder. So Steven Crowder spent months harassing Vox host Carlos Maza. Oh, yeah. And Carlos Maza uses YouTube as his main platform for Vox. Like, he works yeah. for Vox, but he puts... It's the same as, like, BuzzFeed or whatever. Yeah. Like, he puts most of his things on, on YouTube. And he called him, among other things, and these are not my words... Please don't associate this with me. There's a few things I'm going to say this episode where I'm like, do I say it's, it? It's, I mean, I think we do because I think it's important for you to hear, like, the types of things these people are saying. Yeah. So he spent months harassing Carlos Maza and he called him a lispy queer, among other things, other derogatory gay slurs yeah. because Carlos Maza is gay. He... Also, uh, Carlos Maza revealed that Crowder's followers had bombarded him with text messages, emails, tweets. Text messages? Yeah. I, you know, the internet's a scary place. Very. Uh, tweets, a tons of like tons of other things, bullying him, telling him to kill himself, demanding that he debate Steven Crowder on the platform. Mm -hmm. So he then created a compilation video of all of the things. I mean, Steven Crowder went after Carlos Maza, and it's mm -hmm. very odd that he would do that is be so fixated on one, oh, one person, person um to the point where he's having his not necessarily having his followers but his followers are going after him it's like when people say something bad about taylor swift right it's it's stan culture yeah in a very toxic way so carlos maza created a compilation video of all the terrible things that crowder had said about him and asked youtube to ban crowder highlighting specific sections of youtube's terms of service that Crowder had violated. Now, Crowder has nearly 4 million followers on YouTube. Okay. Which is a lot. Like, that should scare people. Like, this racist piece of shit, yeah. racist, homophobic piece of shit has 4, 4 million. million followers. Like, subscribers on YouTube. And that makes a lot of money for YouTube. So, naturally, yeah. YouTube chose not to ban him. YouTube responded via Twitter uh, about the situation, saying that although the company didn't agree with the statements Crowder made, his content didn't violate the company's policies. YouTube did demonetize Crowder's channel, taking money away from him, but they also demonetized a bunch of other channels for no real reason except for so that it doesn't appear to conservatives as if they're being singled out in any way. Which is, oh, they don't want to hurt their feelings. But it's dangerous. Like, it is dangerous to say that somebody sharing political news yeah. that you might not agree with 
deserves to be demonetized in the same way as someone who is speaking hate on the internet and threatening people on the internet. Like, it is dangerous to equate those two things as the same. We have to stop doing this, like, other-sizing, both-sizing kind of, like, talk. Like, it, it has to stop. Well, it's the current climate that we live in. Yeah, well, I mean it's part of the, it's part of the culture war. It's like don't rock the boat, don't make anyone too unhappy. So if you demonetize this person, you have to for whatever reason also demonetize this person over here. I mean, I get it and I don't get it at the same time because like there is such a war between the sides going on and I try to be as conscious as I can be about not furthering that and making it worse but at the same time it's like if you're gonna be an asshole but I also think it and be a dick about stuff I'm gonna call you out I think it makes it worse when we pretend like problems on the right meaning racism homophobia threats of violence Nazism like these things are equal to whatever you deem to be controversial on on this side like Bad they are Donald Trump they are know. not the same yes no, yeah calling Donald Trump a piece of shit yeah. is not the same thing as threatening violence against Jewish people like yeah. it's not the same and so i think it's very dangerous to start saying that that it's two sides of the same coin exactly it's, it's not it's not at all it's not at all um, I did some research on some specific users, um, especially ones that Ghost Machine kind of told me to look into. Absolutely. Let's talk about so, it. So I had never heard of this site called Prager University. Have you ever heard of it? I haven't, but I know of that guy. Okay. It's not a university. Um, <laughs> cool. It's not a school. The website says Prager University is not an accredited academic institution and does oh, not like offer... like Trump University. Right. Great. And, and does not offer certifications or diplomas, but is a place where you can... Where you are free to learn. So it's calling itself a university, which is just like... It's shady. It's like Trump University. Yeah. Shady as fuck. Okay. So... After the 2016 election, a video called Do You Understand the Electoral College came out, which was hosted by a retired lawyer and television pundit, Tara or Tara Ross. It reached 50 million views two weeks after the election and had a lot of views during the election as well. Um, She doesn't mention that the Electoral College was born of a compromise with slave states or the degree of which skews the will of majority. Uh, She also claims that it thwarts voter fraud. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's I mean, five minutes long. It's got lots of graphics, quick cuts, sound effects. Like, it's one of those really, like, that's the thing with YouTube videos that freak me out are the quick cuts. Why do people, I mean, I get why they do it, but it's like, it freaks I, me out. I guarantee you it comes from some kind of psychological reasoning that it it, does. Like, keeps people, like, engaged and I've addicted. Read it, I've read it somewhere, but there is something about the quick cuts where there's no pauses, there's no... You can't think about anything. Yeah. Right? Like... I it's mean, jarring. It's in your face. It's very like, but, 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 but. Yes. I know what video you're talking about, too. Yeah. Videos on that website include topics such as police brutality, how police are not biased against black men, climate <laughs> change, man-made climate change is debatable. No, it isn't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. We are all going to be underwater in, like, yeah. <laughs> 15 years. Exactly. Uh, climate change, man-made climate change is debatable. Oh, wait, I already said that one. Talks against animal rights and the $15 minimum wage against gender gap doesn't exist. And why the South turned Republican with no mention of race. Um, Prager himself has made videos such as 
uh, War on Christmas, and another video called He Wants You, an apology to men who ogle women. What? Yeah. Oh my god. And every I'm video, so sickened. Yeah, every video that's on his site, Prager reviews. He reviews every script. And uh, Court's faculty included Steve Forbes, former White House Press Secretary, Secretary Dana Perino, and Harvard Law professors in his videos, as well as comedians. This is active indoctrination. Like, that's yeah. what this is. They are actively indoctrinating people on purpose. Yeah. yeah. Like, on purpose. You are you are purposefully spreading misinformation and leaving vital information out. Yeah. In order to sway an opinion. That yeah. is so gross. Well, that's something that you're going to see through all of these. <laughs> None of so them gross. argue two sides and they all leave out information. So, Ben Shapiro... In his book, The Right Side of History, How to Reason and Moral Purpose Made the West Great. Oh, Ben Shapiro is so gross, um, too. Yeah. The start of the book proclaims that the absence of God's moral law dooms our world to live in a meaningless abyss. Uh, he also argues that that's our... That's your opinion. That's your, opi- that's your ben, opinion. Ben. Ben. He also argues that our toxic political climate and divide can be boiled down to our societal rejection of Judeo-Christian values. He wants to explain why we should go back to our Judeo-Christian roots, which is the only morality that is objective and true. A writer from the Medium who kind of like did a review on his book says, Just because you don't want to live in a world without objective morality, it doesn't make this system of morality all of a sudden true. You need to demonstrate where you're extracting these value principles. So he's like, this is the answer. This is the answer. This is the answer. But he's not explaining anything. Right, no. I mean, and that's what I was going to say is like, just because they're your beliefs, that's not an objective truth yeah. in any way. Like, you need to give me... And and it can never be objective. Like, it's... Yeah. There are no facts that back up what you're saying. So exactly. you cannot back it up. Like, from an academic standpoint, it just... It doesn't make any fucking sense. It doesn't. But people aren't thinking about it like that. Well, because if, if you're saying something that people agree with, they will want to have more of it. They want to be validated. If that's right, something that you course, agree absolutely. with, you're going to keep reading it to be absolutely. further validated. So he also has this thing where he like oversimplifies history to fit his claims. Like a quote from the book says, the USSR rejected Judeo-Christian values and Greek natural law, and they starved and slaughtered tens of millions of human beings. The Nazis rejected Judeo-Christian values and Greek natural law, and they shoved children into gas chambers. So, So because of that, Without any nuance without or context. Without any reason, without any more information, without any other context about these specific situations, we are lacking this Judeo-Christian value. But here's the thing. If, so I was, the same. if I was a young person and my brain wasn't fully developed yet, and I had grown up with these ideas or ideolo- yeah. ideologies, like, that wouldn't seem so crazy to me at all. Yeah. And in fact, I would probably lean into wanting to believe it. Yeah. Well, because we want simple answers. We want everything in life to make sense to us. And when we're feeling lost and we feel like there isn't an answer, we go looking for things like religion, political views, um, mentors, uh, life coaches, therapists, things like well, that. And if we and already if you can think of a simple solution and you agree with it, you're going to latch on to that as much well, as possible. And as someone who was very religious at a time, I mean, when I didn't really think it was very cool to be, a lot of my friends were not, Yeah. when you had someone give you a pseudo-intellectual answer that backed up your beliefs, it 
felt good. Like yeah. you wanted to believe that you want more of that because it was a it was a armor. Exactly. It was like a defense. It wasn't it was an argument for you to have. Right, yeah. I'm losing my voice now. <laughs> <clears throat> it was a defense that you could use for yourself. And like exactly. I can only imagine if YouTube had existed at that time in my life and anytime I got into an internet fight with somebody about one of these issues, if I could link this argument or if I could quote that person but about why I'm right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just I'm lucky enough that I, I wasn't indoctrinated that way because it wasn't happening at that yeah. rate whenever I was that impressionable. Exactly, exactly. So there's a few other things that he's against. I went on his Wikipedia page and I mean you could spend hours there, but But don't. But don't. Um he appeared on CNN's Pierce Morgan tonight after the San after Sandy Hook to discuss gun control. He calls Morgan a bully who, quote, tends to demonize people who differ from your political from you politically by standing on the graves of children of Sandy Hook. Well, I mean, Pierce Morgan is a piece of shit, but... Yeah, saying they don't seem to care enough about the dead kids. And that's something that with Sandy Hook, I think that a lot of people bring up is, like, very vulgar imagery about dead children to kind of well, gain the same thing. the same thing with Parkland. I feel yeah. like the same thing happened there. Yeah, so he also believes that Israel should transfer the Palestinians and Israeli Arabs from Judea... From Judeo... Samaria, 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 Gaza, and Israel citing expulsion. Samaria, of, Samaria. Thank you. Uh, and Gaza and Israel citing expulsion of Germans after World War II. He says expelling hostile population is a commonly used and generally effective way of preventing violent entanglements. Um, on his LGBTQ plus views, Ugh, a man and woman do a better job of raising a child than two men or two How women. How would you? Po- okay, listen. Put a fucking pin in that for a second, because mm-hmm. I have known some pretty awful hetero couples. Yeah. Really terrible hetero parents. Yeah. I really have. Um, I'm a nanny. <laughs> I've <laughs> worked like, for I've them all. Some shit. I've worked for them all. I mean, that is insane. Mm-hmm. How could you possibly... You cannot equate personality to sexual preference. Yeah. So... How could you possibly make that claim? That is so because, bananas. Because people believe that there needs to be a... Uh, matriarchal figure and a patriarchal figure in order to make but okay would he would he say that a heterosexual satanist couple will do a better job than a homosexual couple with judeo-christian values that would be a very interesting thing for him to speak on because like what that is such a dumb blanket statement Um, he says that he does not believe that same-sex marriage should be taught in schools, believing it's for parents to teach, and that it is a values thing. He believes that transgender people suffer from mental illness and compares changing one's sex or gender to changing one's age. It simply cannot be done. In 2015, he appeared on the Dr. Drew on Call show with trans rights and um, trans person Zoe Tur. When he repeatedly referred to Tur with male pronouns, oh. she eventually grabbed his neck and threatened to send him home in an ambulance. Good. I mean, girl. Girl. Listen, I'm not here to say that we should be violent. However. <laughs> However. How you know, it's people like Ben Shapiro that make me scared because yeah well this whole situation i think the reason why we're talking about conservative youtube in general like it makes me scared because i feel like a lot of people say you know we're becoming more progressive the older generation that holds these very oppressive views they're getting older they're They're gonna die off. off yeah you know which 
I listen, I don't want my grandparents to die off. I love my grandparents, but there is some truth in that. Yeah. But it is scary when you see a young person holding these kinds of views who is influencing other young people yeah. to also hold these kinds exactly. of views. It's exactly. very, 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 very scary. Because yeah. when does it fucking end? It never ends. Yeah. So this next thing, he's, he later apologized for these statements, but in 2012, he oh, wrote I know an article. This one. <clears throat> yeah. That said, or sorry, 2002. Did I say 2012? 2002. He wrote an article that said, I'm getting really sick of people who whine about civilian casualties. When I see in the newspapers that civilians in Afghanistan or West Bank were killed by American or Israeli troops, I don't really care. One American soldier is worth far more than an Afghan civilian. I, I don't, I hate him. He supports lowering taxes for the very wealthy. Why? Because he is one? Like, why, why? He uh, accuses the left of being in a hierarchy of victimhood. Um, he, you know, says that conservatives are um, disenfranchised. I'm going to break something. I think yeah. maybe I'm on my, like, third oh. vodka drink at this moment. Do you want to get real mad? He does not believe that African Americans are victims of widespread systemic injustice today. Basically saying racism doesn't exist anymore. Slavery happened a long time ago. Doesn't exist anymore, apparently, to him. So, I'm going to talk about this guy, Hunter Avalon. Avalon? I don't know this guy. I didn't know about any of these people. So, I was Unfortunately, I knew about the other two. It was a great day for me. So, he's 20 years old. He has 276,000 subscribers on YouTube and 32,000 followers on Instagram. Um, He says he gets off by pissing people off. He opened a clothing line with shirts with phrases such as, Again, I'm going to say these things because they're fucking awful. Please do not cut these they out and play them when I'm dead. are not our views. These are... I'm going to, like, change my voice or something when I say I these mean, things. I mean, honestly, I should just be going, not our views, not our views, not our views. Literally, not can you just whisper that while I yes, say this next yes, part? Okay, are you ready? ready? Yes, One, go. two, three, go. Islam views, is the greatest views, cancer on this entire views, planet, and welcome views. to Retardville. Not our views. Not our views at all! What the fuck? Sorry, it just probably blew it out really bad. But um, he has a recurring video series called Get Wrecked, where he rips apart videos. Um, Apparently, he loves to hate on BuzzFeed videos and um, compiles them into uh, diatribes? 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 Diatribes! I can talk. Well, (laughs) compiles them into diatribes with titles like, I don't want to say the word again, so... Our word feminist video bashes men, and fat, ugly feminists think they're oppressed. Well, I mean, and here's another problem. Outside of YouTube's algorithm pushing everyone towards Nazism, uh, which is a big enough problem, there was a study, I listened to a podcast called Invisibilia years ago, and they talked about how hate spread something like five to ten times faster on the internet than love does. And that being said... Yes, headlines like that are that are purposefully inflammatory are going to get more views. Yeah, like, exactly. That's the sad truth of the internet. <sighs> There's this guy named Milo Yiannopoulos. Oh, I hate Milo Yiannopoulos. Okay. He's known for ridiculing Islam, feminism, social justice, and political correctness. Don't you kind of enjoy pissing people off, too, a little bit, though? Because when I read that people, like, hate on feminism, I'm kind of like, yeah... I don't know. I I mean, I don't love it, obviously, but I'm like, 
yeah, be afraid of me. I don't think I, I know, no, I don't think I feel that way at all. Like, I end up getting really frustrated. Like, the reason why I, I almost never respond anymore is because, like, oh, I know. Genuinely, when I respond to people, it's because they want a reaction. Well, they want a reaction, but I, I genuinely, and this is naive of me, I genuinely want people to, like, these are the facts. These are yeah. the facts. How can you not look at the facts? And I want people to, like, learn. Yeah. And that doesn't ever happen on the no. internet. So I don't take, I don't take, in, take a lot of joy in pissing people off because I, I get so frustrated because I'm just like, how can you not? For me, it's kind of both. I take a side in people being offended by me saying something that I know is true or choosing to be upset about something that I find so silly to be upset about. But at the same time, like you said, I want to fight back online because I want people to change their opinions. And I know I cannot change But it just doesn't do that. Opinions. Yeah, it just exactly. doesn't work. So he has been accused of being an apologist for or supporting pedophilia after videos arose where he said that sexual relationships between 13-year-old boys and adult men and women can be perfectly consensual. Right, because Milo Yiannopoulos is one of those people who the right really likes to point to because he is a gay he's man. Gay. He's an out gay man. And so the right likes to point to that and say, we're not homophobic. Look at this conservative yeah. gay man. He's on our side. But he's also said that if he could, he would not be... He said it's better for him financially to be gay. It's better for his brand to be gay. But personally, if he, if there was a way to make the gay go away, he would do well, it. Well, then he is also acknowledging then that it's not a choice. Yeah, It's something exactly. that is biologically true for him. Exactly. But yes, I remember when he made those statements. He basically said that it's normal for adult gay men to kind of mentor young yeah he did children essentially he did make a statement saying that he was coping with his own childhood abuse um so you know take it with a grain of salt are you making chicken nuggets somewhere it's not like chicken nuggets probably our skin burning in this closet (laughs) and i have a really bad sunburn it's so hot in here it smells like chicken nuggets in here it's just us burning i had to take my my glasses off because they were like steaming Okay, he has stated that both women and Asians have been scientifically proven to be worse at discerning spatial relations. It's the only thing Saudi Arabia <laughs> gets right. Oh my god. <laughs> Show me your sources, you absolute he piece commented of dog on shit. The nation's ban on female drivers. Behind every racist joke is a scientific fact. Is it? Really? <laughs> Show me the fucking sources on that. I want to see your actual scientific studies from an accredited source. Show me that shit, Milo. Right, exactly. Do you want to know what he said about birth control? Do I? <laughs> you do. This is a video entitled, Birth Control Makes Women Unattractive and Crazy. He says the pill oh, causes yeah. women to become hysterical. That was on Breitbart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh hysterical, sexually promiscuous, and obese. And he also has a video that says, would you rather your child had feminism or cancer? He declared his birthday World Patriarchy Day. While talking about gender pay gap, he attributes the discrepancy to, quote, different educational choices. But you admit there's a discrepancy. Wow. preferences and the fact that women have to have children. Well, women don't have to do anything, but I mean, well, in Alabama, I guess they do. That's what they say, that women have to have children. (laughs) In certain states, I suppose that is true. Or it's just people's belief also, like you're, like we're here to be baby making machines, Keegan, you didn't know that? No, I didn't. Pew, pew, pew. That's me shooting babies out of my got, I got it, but, because I had the visual, but (laughs) good for you to. Have you ever heard of SOF? 
No. She is an 11-year-old girl. <gasps> well, no, sorry. 14 now. No. She started at 11. No! She's... I'm going to break something. I'm so mad. <laughs> That's me watching Breaking Bad today. I literally almost threw my shoe at the TV. <sighs> All right. So she started at the age of 11. She cites PewDiePie as being her main influence. She started as a this gamer. This is why PewDiePie needs to be taken off the fucking <laughs> internet. <laughs> I you get... just rub your eyes and your makeup went everywhere. You look <sighs> like a crazy person right now. Good. <sighs> <laughs> this is why PewDiePie needs to be taken off the internet. I've had like people argue with me about PewDiePie more than like any other YouTuber. They're like, you just don't understand him. Those quotes were taken out of context. You don't get oh, it. I don't and know I'm like, anything about I, him. And I, I don't care too. I don't care. I, I don't care because yeah. shit like this happens. You just radicalized an 11 year old girl. Yeah. Well, and she started as like a gamer. She would do like gaming videos where she was really vulgar and swearing. And I actually kind of remember that too, where people were laughing because there's this little girl gaming who's like swearing up a storm and just being really vulgar and people found it funny. And her parents were like, you're making us a ton of that YouTube money, so it's exactly, fine. Exactly, exactly. So she's now 14 and she makes some of the most horrifying videos I've ever seen. I saw 10 seconds of one video and I felt like I needed to wash my eyes out with bleach. Where are your parents? Well, she even says something about that where she's like, you should be, what did she say? She said something about how it's not her parents' fault. It's, if you don't like what I'm saying, it's your parents that should be, blo like, sh being more careful about what you watch on the internet and things like that. I mean, fair enough, but yeah. also. But also. So, her videos, which she says she scripts herself with the help of a collaborator, probably her parents, are a mix of hatred toward Muslims, anti-black racism, uh, benzatine fear-mongering about pedophilia and incel evolutionary psychology. And the videos are presented in an ironic comedic style. So they're like full skits. Like, you know her parents are involved because they cost money. Like, she's got costumes, backdrops. Well, I mean, at this point, thing. she's probably bankrolling it on YouTube, but there's oh, no way she's not doing it without the knowledge of her parents. Yeah, so she's also active on a gaming chat app called Discord, where she uses the username, I'm not going to say this word, Lieutenant... F word. Not fuck. Great. Yeah, fantastic. And she hopes... How edgy. Yeah. She says she hopes for a, quote, Hitler for Muslims to, quote, gas them all. Oh, my God. I'm gonna... She's 14. I am... Her videos are horrifying. Okay. Whatever. Continue. That's all I got. All I can't... Right. I can't... I couldn't do any more. I can't give you any more. I was... Horrified, I had to do this episode in chunks of time because I didn't want to start crying. My life is stressful enough. So yes. So, okay, I'll, I'll close it with this. <gasps> in that New York Times article, which is, is good, I'll link that one along with the Guardian article that I had, and if you have any um, that you'd like me to throw in, send them to me and I'll, I'll, I'll add them. History. But in that New York Times article, I would suggest giving it a read. It's called Making of a YouTube Radical. Mm -hmm. And they do interview this guy, you know, and there is a certain amount of, like, you have free will. You have the ability to walk away. But people get radicalized. It's the same way that people end up joining these 
um, terrorist organizations. Yeah. A lot of people who have done mass shootings say that they were radicalized online via the incel community or yeah, and there's, other communities. It, it does happen. Like, is it a front? Is it real? But I know it does happen. It, it does happen. And so I do think it's important to like look at it. And this guy, he does say, these people weren't all shouty demagogues. They were entertainers, building their audience with satirical skits, debates, and interviews with like-minded creators. So it's kind of like what you were saying with Soph, where it's like, they can almost trick you. It's not like they are Fox News pundits sitting behind a desk talking about a thing, although there are those people like Alex Jones who do that. They are creating skits. They are YouTube creators, influencers. So they are tricking you into believing that, that it's entertainment. Yeah. Right? And so if you listen to enough of that shit... Honestly, seriously, I've only started, just started it, but go listen to Sleepwalkers to get an understanding of, like, how AI really does affect our brains. Mm -hmm. We are being manipulated. I'm not trying to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but we are. We are being manipulated constantly via these, like, algorithms. And if you are not careful about, like, what you are consuming and what you are allowing your children to consume, then you might have problems like this. You might end up suddenly, like... A couple of we- uh, you know, a couple of years from now, suddenly you're believing in some weird ass fucking frogs or gay conspiracy theories. I'm just saying. I just my brain went back to the tweet that that robot said. Oh yes, yeah. Bush did 9/11 and Hitler did nothing <laughs> wrong and. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know that that really honestly. Take that clip from this podcast. Yeah. Play it anytime you need to remind yourself that the internet is a disgusting, disgusting porta potty of a place. I was going to say garbage place. Porta yes. potty is a better yes. description. Disgusting. All right. Well, I'm about to melt like the Wicked Witch at the end of the Wizard of I'm Oz. I'm going to have to right change now. before I go to bed. Like, I am like in my pajamas, but I'm sweating. It smells like straight chicken nuggets in it here. Does. What, it's do not you smell good. it too? I smell something. I it smell chicken smells nuggets. Like, kind of smells like fried rice. Oh, I smell chicken nuggets in the oven. Like, you know, the. The ones, the frozen ones you get in the grocery store. I can't Shaped remember like the... dinosaurs? No, no, no. They're just regular strips. Well, probably they're that brand Same too. thing. <laughs> it smells like that in here. So, so straight up Tyson chicken nuggets. That's the one. Okay. <laughs> we figured that out. You guys, thank you so much for listening for another episode. Thank you to Ghost Machine for giving us this idea for the episode. We greatly we appreciate it. We hope you like it. it. Let yes. us know. Um, we have a few more episode suggestions. So if we haven't responded to your suggestions, we've read them. We're aware of them. They're being logged into our list of episodes for the future. We will get to them eventually. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much for the suggestion. Um, I really hope that you guys loved our coming out episode again this year. We've gotten a lot of great responses, especially from people who sent in stories, which makes me so happy me too so so happy but if you either were a little too afraid to send it in or miss the deadline or anything like that we will always take your coming out stories we're always game for more sister solidarity stories episode suggestions just sending us thoughts on our episodes or just wanting to send us something that you want us uh that you want to tell us that we can chat with you about or chat with on the podcast feel free to email us at neighborhoodfeminists at gmail.com catch us or direct message us on instagram at angry neighborhood feminists we are also hoping in the near future probably in the next couple of months to get a patreon mm-hmm. so we are thinking about doing kind of like one overarching theme for bonus episodes for 
for our Patreon. So if you have suggestions for that, oh yeah, or are interested in that in any way, we would love to hear from you. So, oh, so definitely let us know if that's something that you are at all interested in. We will also be giving away like merch uh, via our Patreon. So let us know. Mm-hmm. Very excited. Very very excited. More on that to come when we have more information for you to give. So we, you can also catch us on Twitter is where I think I was at. We are at Yanf Podcast. Y-A-N-F Podcast. Get us on Facebook. We have a business and a group page. You can rate and review us on our business page. You can chat with your fellow ragers on the group page. Um, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We love that very much. And you can also listen to us on Radio Public. That's another thing we love very much. Yep. We greatly appreciate it. So you guys, before I completely melt into a puddle, I hope you enjoy this episode. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.